Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Joe Cook today with Justin Wells. We are going to talk about the Texas Longhorns matchup with the West Virginia Mountaineers. We'll look at a key part of the Texas offense. We'll hit on a key part of the West Virginia offense, making a return to DKR of sorts uh, before going into what this would mean for each program and giving our pick on the game. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and have notifications on so you never miss anything from Justin and I, Bobby Burton, Tommy Yarish, and also make sure you head to Inside Texas where you can get one month of Inside Texas Plus access for the best of the humidor, the scoop, all our best premium uh, intel on the team and recruiting and so much more. One dollar for one month, you get a look at the rest of the On3 network and everything it has to offer. No better time to do it than now because, Justin, this is an important time of the season uh, for the Texas Longhorns and West Virginia, honestly, both sitting at two and two. Yeah, this is um, we're a quarter of the way in. And, and and before last Saturday, I think most Texas fans would tell you they like the beginning of 2022 season. They like the, the direction, the way they've handled some adversity in the games they've played. Week four threw that out the door. Um, it, it, it's 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 hard to catch up, get get back some of that mojo that they had in the first three games, but that's where we're at. You know, both teams come in. Texas is really you can't start Big Twelve play zero and two. Um, I know there's a lot of parity in this conference, but buddy, that's a a hill you don't want to climb. And so it's it's imperative how big and how important West Virginia is coming in on Saturday. And so, yeah, it, it's big for both teams, not just Texas, but look at it, you know, from West Virginia's standpoint, they're playing pretty good right now. They've got a good quarterback in JT Daniels who we're going to talk about. And and to me, this actually, I feel like this is a tougher matchup than Tech was. And so, it, it you know, we're going to, this is gut check time, Joe, in September. We're going to know pretty well kind of what the direction of this program is going to be. Um before uh, before we really dive into the season just based on how that the, the, they you know how they react on Saturday against West Virginia yeah three and two is a lot better place to be uh, than two and three you know especially let's say they split these next two games boom then you're three and three you can live with that it's not great it's not awful but uh, in in a year or two okay maybe it's not the progress you'd want to see made but it's a lot better than two and four uh, if that were to you know if that were the case. Or they could win these next two games and go four and two and be showing that progress we thought we all saw. Um, quarterback's going to be, you know, obviously a big topic of conversation. And, you know, this is being recorded before Steve Sarkeesian's press conference, his Zoom on Thursday. Um, if we know anything about how Steve Sarkeesian has a- acted in previous weeks and answered questions, he probably is not going to be very forthright about the quarterback situation. We'll probably see Quinn Ewers again warming up on Saturday at the very least. Uh, but, you know, he'll probably keep that close to the vest until game time. And we'll probably have that info on Inside Texas tomorrow in the humidor. But one piece of information that we really need to find out uh, is the status of Xavier Worthy. Uh, star wide receiver for the Longhorns had a touchdown reception uh, against the Red Raiders in Lubbock. And You know, I think a lot of people saw that play right before the half. That was his last one where he limped over on the sidelines. I think Xavier Worthy was kind of battling through it from the first play of the game. Um, If you if you watch one of those outside runs, I think to Keelan Robinson during that first Texas drive, 
he gets rolled up on and you can kind of see him hobble off the ESPN crew uh, noticed it. He still played through it. Uh, you know, he had a drop on a ball that he could have turned and ran with. He called in that touchdown uh, when, when Hudson card found him downfield. But, you know, a few plays later, I think that late in that second quarter, he hobbles off and doesn't return. Steve Sarkeesian called it a lower leg injury. And when you have a offensive line, that's got a few freshmen, you remove a you know dynamic quarterback with, and replace them with a a pretty good quarterback. Um, you remove one of your best receivers and replace them with you know uh, very good receivers, but not the same speed, deep threat like that. It affects right. the offense. Now it's on Steve Sarkeesian to work through that, and that's not something he did a phenomenal job of on Saturday. Um, but at the same time, Worthy's presence would have a huge impact on this offense is do you think we're probably going to see him what what have you heard uh over these past few days ever since the the aftermath of the lubbock uh you know little debacle if worthy's done anything it's kind of taken some of the press off of the quarterback um uh, today you know you're going to have a zoom with sark and and the question's going to be asked about quarterback and he's like you said he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> answer it the way sark does he's not going to tell you anything he doesn't want you to know and uh, you got to respect that. But, you know, quarterback is such a polarizing position, but there's two guys there that can do it. And so the worry there is with Xavier Worthy because he's a guy that literally takes the top off of the offense. There's not – I don't know how many guys are in the program that can go – can get vertical, Joe, outside of Isaiah Nayor, who's out for the year. There's just not a lot of guys that, that can do that. Worthy adds that dimension. The biggest thing for Worthy is he makes defensive coordinators pay attention. You will see a different defensive scheme when Worthy's out on the field. That helps everyone on that offense, including the quarterbacks and the running backs and, and things of that sort. And so, Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Worthy's a guy that, you know, a couple days ago, he you know, first two week days of practice, he didn't, he wasn't at practice this week. Um, what he did yesterday, we're still kind of digging on that and we'll have a report in the humidor, but um, Joe, he's important, not just because of the dynamic, because, you know, what he adds to the offense, but it's what he does to the defense. He gives the guys something they have to pay attention to. To me, that helps Sark's offense. That's what one of the things that helps drive this machine. So, you know, even a hobbled Xavier Worthy, to me, is probably still a valuable commodity because, like I said, he's going to pull the safety over. He's going to make sure that, uh, he's paid attention to just because he's got that much uh, ability. It's that important for the Texas offense. So while fans are ask, asking and clamoring for who's going to be the starting quarterback and who's going to be the guy on Saturday, if I'm a fan, I'm more worried about Worthy. I'm more worried about a guy that really you need on the field because, like I said earlier, 0-2 is not, hey, you want to start Big 12 play, especially in Steve Sarkeesian's second season. Yeah, and, and I think one of the ways that uh, it was described by Steve Sarkeesian after the game, they said, you know, we're looking on getting him back, you know, before the next game. So it, it kind of seems like it was a situation where they could ease him in. 
Um, but you know, it, maybe that's the case, what they're doing, but, uh, you'd like to hear a positive update from, from today's press conference. And, and hopefully we hear that the other injury I'm springing this on you a little bit was, uh, Mora Ojimo. He didn't even travel, uh, to, to Lubbock. Um, he's been playing really good football. Um, I know that there, there's a part in his PFF grades, which sometimes you have to take with a grain of salt that's been deficient. Um, but if you look at how he's played on the field, he's done a phenomenal job and they missed him. I mean, um, I know that a lot of the game was on the secondary uh, in this past game versus Texas Tech, but they missed him a lot. It, what's what's the latest you've heard on on Mora Ojimo uh, heading into this week? With, with Moro, to me, it was one of those, you know, they're so deep on the defensive line. I think they felt like they could kind of overcome it. And, and for most for the most part, they could. I, I believe they held Texas Tech's run game pretty much in check for the most part. But Morrow is 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 a big guy. Like Morrow is an important factor to this defense, not just from what he you know gives you on the field, but his leadership ability. I mean, this is a a very strong, smart young senior. And so with Morrow, I think they're they're, they're handling him with kid gloves right now. Um, I, he is going through practice. He is going through some of the stuff. I'm not sure if it's a how much to what capacity that, that that you know that uh that it is but i do know that he, he's going through some of the stuff he might be another one joe that's kind of viewed as a day-to-day thing i believe this ankle injury happened last week during practice and so it's kind of a newer a newer issue but like i said there's depth there at defense there's depth along that line where he plays and and even though moro does add a ton to this defense i think he was missed in lubbock i really do you, you, you know, it, it's one of those things where you, you've got to get the next man up, but Morrow's a guy that's been there for, you know, three or four years. He knows what he's, you know, he knows the spot. And so that's going to be another update. That's going to be something else people need to tune into InsideTexas.com for because that will have something there in the humidor. I, Morrow doesn't worry me like worthy, obviously, but like you said, he's still a key component to this defensive line regardless of how much depth they have at that, that spot. You want it, you want Moro on the line, especially in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter when those when those uh, snaps really matter the most. Uh, getting Moro back is also going to be a big help. Yeah, and although and we're going to talk about Graham Harrell in a little bit. Although he comes from an air raid background, there's Neil Brown still the head coach, and even he comes from a background like that. Uh, but he's a believer in the 50-50 split or closer to it than guys like Zach Kitley, Cliff Leach. You know, anybody like that. So the run game is going to be important, and Morrow's been really uh, strong there. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the depth because I think Tavondre Sweat honestly had one of his better games and has played extremely well uh, so far this year. You know, his making his greatest game this year was against Tech. Right. So, you know, that defensive line has been able to step up in, in his absence. Uh, but again, uh, design of the Tech offense didn't allow them very much time to, to get home. When they did, Donovan Smith was was making plays. They weren't getting to him. Got to give him credit on that. But having somebody like Ojimo there in the second half, even of last week's game, would have been a a, a big help. So um, something we'll monitor. Of course, stay uh, stay tuned to InsideTexas.com. We'll probably be even discussing about it, uh, discussing it on this channel with Bobby Burton and others uh, as we get closer to the game. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about, and I think you you brought it up too, is. Uh, you know, JT Daniels, the, the West Virginia quarterback, um, he's on his third school. Uh, he's kind of on a, you know, he's on another offense at this point. Um, but 
This is not his first time coming to DKR. Uh, way, way back in 2018, I think this was the last game I, I ever sat in the stands, or the most recent game, you know, one of the two, I was in the stands for um, and not in the press box. And, you know, it was that USC game. He enrolled early as a true freshman. Um, I think he kind of pulled a, a Quinn Ewers and enrolled a year early, um, even after being a five-star prospect, because that's when, uh, you know, I, I think what it was was Sam Darnold had graduated, uh, gotten drafted by the Jets. There was uncertainty at the quarterback position for the Trojans. So JT Daniels comes in and says, okay, I'll do it. Um, from Mater Day. Um, and Texas kind of roughed him up a little bit. Uh, granted, he was 30 of 48 for 322 yards, yeah. uh, but he yeah, had an interception. And uh, <laughs> I, I think he had uh, three sacks too, um, or at least three rushes for negative 26 yards. So yeah. JT Daniels took a stop at Georgia. Now he's at West Virginia playing in that Graham Harrell system. What have you seen from him so far this year? Because, and, and another thing to note is that for the first time, you're Texas isn't facing somebody who could be construed as a, a dual threat quarterback. ULM had one. Bryce Young is obviously can run. We saw that uh, Frank Harris could run and Donovan Smith ran a bunch. So a little bit different look, uh, at least on offense. But what, what have you seen from JT Daniels so far this year? You know, JT Daniels is a fun story. Um, yeah, for the dual threat crowd, he's not going to run. He has about as much running ability as Troy Aikman. He's going to stand in the pocket and he's, he's a pocket guy. The thing that's cool about JT Daniels is, you know, in our job, we cover these guys from high school to college to when they get to the NFL. So I've actually seen Daniels in high school in person, in college and in person. And like you said, this is his third school. He wasn't a bad quarterback at Georgia last year, Joe. He could have easily been the starter when they played for the national championship last year. JT Daniels, I remember him being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was that kid for his class. Uh, you know, he, he, he came out, uh, started as a freshman at USC. You saw the ability. Like you, like you named off his stats. Like, yeah, Texas roughed up USC on that night. JT Daniels had a good game. If you watch that first half, they don't have a few drops. USC may be up double digits going into halftime. Like that game, that game flipped really quick. And so – Daniels has a little come, you know, knowing JT, he has a little payback coming when he gets back to DKR. You gotta love how he's meshed with Graham Harrell's offense. You gotta love how Neil Brown has found a spot for him. They're, they're, they're putting him in positions to, to, to make good plays. I rewatched the Virginia Tech game. Granted, Hokies are a little down this year. They got some problems. Yeah. There's a few, yeah, they, they, it's called lack of athlete. Um, they, they, they definitely have some issues. But Daniels is sharp. He throws a bullet, Joe. This is a kid that throws the pill. He's going to play on Sundays. This is a kid you, you watch playing in the league. Um. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And I, I like that Neil Brown, you know, we, we like Neil Brown. We know our, our, our cohort, Ian Boyd, is a big fan of, of Neil Brown and, and, and the way he runs his program. He's always a fun, uh, 
uh, nice guy to talk to at Big 12 Media Days. He's always, you know, he's 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 a good old boy kind of guy. He's a good dude. Um, and West Virginia's got a good team. Like if you think Texas Tech, I I think West Virginia's better. I think this is really going to be a test for this team for Texas because, you know, that the Tech the Tech game is in the past. A double digit lead in the fourth quarter, you should have won. Can't get that back. All you can do is look forward. And with West Virginia, you know, even if you get a lead, they're going to throw the ball. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to move the chains. Uh, there isn't to me. There's a small worry about fourth downs, and I know that might seem silly right now, but listen, the, Texas has an issue getting off the field, and in West Virginia, you know, they're not they're not going to take chances like Joey McGuire did in Lubbock last week. That's that's not going to happen. Joey McGuire literally took the sink out of his out of his bathroom and threw it at Texas, like from his house. And so you're not going to have that with Neil Brown and those guys. But what you're going to have is a very disciplined team that knows what they're doing on offense. They've got a good balance there. You talked about that 50-50 split. they got a good running game. And the defense isn't one that – it's kind of a bend-no-break as well as Texas, except they seem, they seem not to break as much, uh, at right. least at least this year. And so I think you're what you're seeing is Neil Brown's guys – kind of infiltrated through the Mountaineer program now since he's been there. And I think Graham Harrell has been a big addition and helped JT Daniels kind of get to where he needs to get. And, and he's that prototypical, you know, portal kid, five-star quarterback. I mean, you look at the math, it's almost like half of those kids wind up transferring. So he fits in that category. It doesn't change the fact that he can throw the ball. It doesn't change the fact that he's talented. Joe, West Virginia is going to bring a problem to, to, to Austin on Saturday. The, the, this is an offense that can throw the ball. And if this defense, if these corners in the secondary is going to play off as much as they do and, and not generate as much as a pass rush, you do not want JT Daniels to have that much time back there to, to throw the ball. And so, man, this is going to be a real test. I, I honestly thought Texas was about four or five points, maybe a touchdown better than Tech. I think this is more of an even matchup. This is a game that Texas can't just get up double digits and then turtle. They, you can't. This is a team that will be able to throw for behind. And so they're going to have to play four full quarters to knock off this bunch. This is another team that's coming in with nothing to lose. They know all the pressures on Texas, just like it was last week in Lubbock. And so Texas has to figure out a way to finish, man. They've played great first halves for the first year and a half in Sark's era. That second half, they've got to make some adjustments, and they've got to figure out how to get off the field on defense. JT Daniels is going to give them hell doing that. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, he's got some good guys to throw to. Bryce Ford Wheaton, uh, Caden Prather, those are two talented guys. Their offensive line, it's competent, but it doesn't really scare me. Uh, it never but, scares you, though, right? Think right. But it. at the same time, they apparently – I mean, they have some – they've found money, I guess, in in C.J. Donaldson, uh, who's become their, you know, their running back, essentially, and has had some great games. If you look at stats, and even I was guilty of this on – on uh, you know, when I did my comparative statistics, they played a pretty bad FCS team in Towson. Um, they're so bad, <laughs> uh, some people even gave them a state. Uh, they're they're Towson, uh, but um, you know, you can't you, you can kind of throw out some of the things when you're looking at a 65 something win over an FCS team. Uh, some of those don't apply, but they have talented receivers that are big. Going to be another challenge for Ryan Watts and Deshaun Jameson, who have had good years. Um, you have to hope that uh, the coverage between Anthony Cook, uh, Jalen Gilbo, Jade Barron, and Jaron Thompson 
is able to eliminate some of the things that have been tearing them up over the past few weeks. And then, of course, you have to hope that the Texas run defense is still stout, um, as it has been, even though it's against a good running back. I'm glad you mentioned fourth down, uh, because if you look at the numbers, West Virginia has hit on nine of ten this year. But the difference is, you know, Neil Brown's not probably not in the same situation where he needs to throw the kitchen sink uh, at Joey McGuire or like Joey McGuire did. Right. That said, nor does he have a a quarterback like Donovan Smith, who's six foot four and can just go and get the first down. But, you know, if you see what Texas Tech did and you see that if you play any third down as being two down territory that opens up so much. And let's say you throw in a wrinkle this week and give the ball to CJ Donaldson. Uh, You believe that, you know, even though the Texas run defense has been stout that, okay, cool. We're going to go wildcat and and give you a taste of your own medicine. I I have to think that Neil Brown at least considers that after seeing the the red Raiders go six of eight, uh, you know, going for it on fourth down, which is, I think it, it, they've, recorded it as a big a Texas Tech record as a member of the Big 12, which is pretty impressive considering who their head coaches have been uh, while they have been. They used to go weeks without punting. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So to convert six uh, as a program high as a member of the Big 12, that's tough. And I think, you know, maybe it's not Neil Brown's forte. He does have a pretty decent kicker in Casey Legg. Um, So maybe he's more likely to take three instead of, uh, try to keep it going for six, but you know, he, he's got to think about it, but um, yeah, I mean, they, this is a team where, you know, it's the big 12. Every team's got some weapon of some sort. Bryce Ford Wheaton's going to be a tough matchup. JT Daniels he's can tough. deliver the ball. Um, I am curious what you think about uh, Graham Harrell, because, you know, if you were on inside Texas a few years ago, if you're just kind of getting into this, uh, our, our, what we offer through the channel, um, there was a point in time when after uh, Tom Herman uh, got rid of Tim Beck uh, or demoted Tim Beck, I think it, what it was. Yeah, got rid of Tim Beck. They were looking at Graham Harrell. They were trying to poach him from USC. Uh, it didn't work out. He stuck with the uh, Trojans to the end of the Clay Helton era. Uh, but between his, you know, what he was able to do as a quarterback in Lubbock uh, but, and then, you know, going from North Texas basically being the engine that drove the good Seth Luttrell teams to still putting up decent offenses in, in, in Los Angeles to now meshing a lot of his own passing principles with what Neil Brown tries to do, you know, balancing it out. It creates a pretty interesting offense and, and, you know, air raid passing concepts normally are pretty tough to get past Pete Kwiatkowski, but uh, football's a what have you done for me lately business and what Pete Pete Kwiatkowski's defense has done lately against air raid offenses is get torched. You know, Graham Harrell's it's kind of, that's another unique story in his high school, broke a lot of records, uh, throwing the football in, in Texas high school, went to Texas tech. If anybody for Texas remembers Graham Harrell, it's 2008 in Lubbock. It's the touchdown. Uh, you know, to Michael Crabtree. That that's the one. That's the memory that probably jars Texas fans the most. But you know, Graham's had a very interesting climb. I remember when I started in this industry years ago. There was a site called ETSN, the East Texas Sports Network, and we did a lot of local stuff. Graham Harrell, when I would cover the East Texas teams, Graham Harrell was actually a non-paid assistant 
at Grace Community High School in Tyler. Uh, little, a little private school, basically like a 3A. Um, the guy wasn't getting paid. He literally was there just to kind of – he wanted to start coaching. He knew some of the guys on the staff, and he thought, you know, this will be the best way for me to kind of get into the industry. So he, he was literally coaching small private school bef- before that climb. And like you said, he did a lot of good stuff along the way. Texas wanted him when he was at USC. He was smart enough to stay away from that. Um, obviously, North Texas, what he did with, with Latrell, and, and, and now you're seeing what he's doing. You know, Graham's a guy – despite what he's done to Texas, Graham's a guy you can root for. Graham Harrell's a good dude. Um, got a father that's got, you know, you know, legendary in coaching. So there's, there's definitely a history there. Um, yeah. The way they mesh the air raid is going to be a challenge for, for PKs and those guys that the schemes fit for it, but you got to execute. And, and that's kind of what it comes down to is, is really, the, and, and this defense knows where to be Joe. This isn't the same group as last year. If this was last year, I'd, I'd be a little more hesitant. I'm not because I know these guys are a smarter bunch. You named them, uh, not just from Watts, who's got broad experience, but Deshaun Jameson, John A. Barron, Jaron Thompson, Anthony Cook. They've been to this rodeo. They've seen this movie. So this is going to be something that they're a little more familiar with. I'll finish with, I had no idea West Virginia's kicker, his last name was Leg. It's awesome. And it kind of reminds me of Cameron. Teams. It reminds me of Cameron Dicker. So we went from kicker Dicker at Texas to West Virginia's kicker. His name is Leg. I'm sorry. Once you said that, I couldn't think of anything else. That was the one thing I couldn't think. I'm thinking, that damn kid's name is Leg. So you know he's got to be good, Joe. And that gives you an idea of why they may not have to go for fourth as much. Like you said, McGuire had to throw everything out there. Neil Brown's not in that position. Neil Brown's not under that that duress. He doesn't have to do that. He can play his. He can run his schemes. And now that you put you've given Graham Harrell a, a future NFL quarterback and JT Daniels, we're seeing how good this guy is as an offensive coordinator and how he is at developing that quarterback position. Yeah, I'm with you. So it should be interesting. Uh, we're gonna have. Some of our picks uh, up later today, I believe, or maybe even tomorrow with the Inside Texas Roundtable. But I got to go back to last week. You have even the tally. Uh, You picked Maryland plus 17. I said Michigan was going to cover it. Uh, They did not, although the Wolverines did pull it out. But let's get back to Texas on this one. I'm looking at the book right now. Uh, Texas, currently, it's kind of hovered around being a nine-point favorite at home at 6.30 Saturday night on FS1 versus the Mountaineers. Nine-point favorite, you know, we'll get to the uh, – we'll save our game picks, I guess, for uh, InsideTexas.com, but do you see the Horns covering that those nine points? No. Oof. I wish – I think at home they've got an advantage. I think they play better at home. We've seen that so far. Um, and so I, I think that's I think that's where a lot of that that deficit is. But right now, I mean, do you see them as nine point? I can see Texas winning this game on a field goal. Burt Auburn, sideshow Bob, the throw, the helmet comes off, the throw is spectacular. Everyone is cheering. I can see Texas with a field goal win. Nine points? No, I don't think I don't think Texas covers. Yeah, even though this is an opportunity for me to move ahead of you in the standings, uh, I'm with you. I I think nine points is a lot just because of the way we've seen this team operate. 
Um, and we know how Vegas operates. They're trying to get the people who think, oh, no, they'll win by 10. Or also the people who think, oh, no, they'll win by seven or lose outright. Who knows? Um, yeah. I, I, I also think that uh, uh, Texas is going to struggle to cover the nine. I don't know about the overall result quite yet. I'm going to send you my roundtable in a few minutes. But um, I, it won't be a double-digit win for the Longhorns if, if it is one. Then I think uh, that's that's a safe bet. So. All right, we're going to go down together on this one if if we uh, both end up being wrong and uh, neither of us will, you know, advance <laughs> after about what we're in the – this will be week five. We skipped week zero. This will be week five, so should be a good one. So, all right, thank you so much for, for watching this episode of On Texas Football. Once again, make sure you like the video, uh, subscribe to the channel, have notifications on so you never miss anything from me, Justin, Eric, Bobby, Jerry. Uh, Tommy, all everybody here uh, with Inside Texas and on Texas football. Head to InsideTexas.com. Uh, you can get one dollar. Uh, you can get one month of plus access. Uh, so all our best insider team and recruiting information. Uh, you can get all that one month for one dollar. Um, it's going to be well worth your investment. And of course, make sure you tune in on uh, Saturday night. Bobby Burton and I believe Rod Babers once again will be hosting the Inside Texas post-game show right here on this channel. So, Justin, thanks again uh, for Justin Wells. I'm Joe Cook. Thank you to our producer, Matthew Hutchinson, and uh, thank you for watching On Texas Football.